Hi, I'm Melanie Travis, founder of Andy Swim. Building a company is hard. There are belly flops, missteps, and issues that pop up every single day, and you have to just keep swimming. You're about to hear the story of a female entrepreneur who faced a sink or swim moment and came out of it stronger, smarter, and more resilient than ever. Today, I'm talking with Eliza Blank, the founder and CEO of The Sill. Eliza, tell us about The Sill and how you got started. Sure. So at The Sill, it's our mission to modernize the retail garden center. We got started because I was actually very determined to make my very first apartment feel like home. And home to me was grass under my feet and greenery all around me. And so I wanted to add plants to my apartment. Um, This was back in 2007 or so. And my only option at that time that I discovered was the basement of Home Depot, which if you've been to the Home Depot in New York City, you would know that they keep the plants in the basement. So here I am going to the basement of Home Depot, kind of shopping without anyone's help for plants that I think look pretty, bringing all that home on the subway up my six flights of stairs, because of course that's your first apartment, 200 square feet on top of six flights of stairs. Uh, And I inevitably killed every single plant. So it it was very quick that I moved to the city from sort of a a greener um, hometown, Massachusetts, and realized that I wanted plants in my life, and then quickly realized that this was a big category that didn't have um, a consumer brand that could speak to me as a consumer, teach me about plants, make the process easy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from there, I started becoming obsessed with this idea of creating a plant brand. So the still exists today as just that. We are a dedicated plant brand um, that sells potted plants online and in stores, of which we have three and uh, trying to continue to modernize the category for this generation and beyond. Um, That's a great story. It feels to me, at least, like plants are everywhere now. It's super hip. It's everyone's getting houseplants. Um, Can you sort of speak to that in a way that I, I, at least I don't remember from, I mean, you were clearly very insightful uh, a few years ago. Sure. So we started, uh, officially the company started in 2012. Uh, It We were a little early, so certainly the trends have continued to intensify. Mm. Um, But part of the insight wasn't just, you know, here's sort of a fuddy-duddy category, but I think it was more, you know, we thought we could be successful based on some larger macro trends Mm -hmm. of urbanization Mm -hmm. and Americans just spending so much of our lives inside. In fact, 90% Mm -hmm. of our lives are spent inside. Um, Obviously, the proliferation, intensity of technology in our lives. So we spend 11 hours in front of a screen now every day. So plants are just naturally becoming more important to Mm. us because we're not around them. Um, And then, of course, we have new mediums of influence. We started around the same time Instagram did. Instagram, in my mind, is something that democratized design. So we were thinking about home decor in different ways. And we were being inspired by all these different, um, you know, Uh, influencers for the first time. And so plants just started naturally cropping up, I think, Mm -hmm. in front of us um, as something that was important and now for the first time kind of approachable. Mm -hmm. But who was going to be the brand to actually deliver on that experience? That's where the sill came in. Uh, And I also think there's, you know, a natural... um, um, desire to lead a more sustainable life in this generation, um, but you know we can't all be composting in our backyard. So houseplants feels like a nice pragmatic 
approach to that. Yeah, uh, I agree. My house and our WeWork is filled with uh, plants from the sill. So, so huge customer and fan over here. Okay, so you've been building the sill for seven years. Do you have that sort of sink or swim moment that's happened in the lifespan of building the company to date? Uh, absolutely. And for me, it was actually really early days, um, which I'm glad about because I think, you know, it tested my resilience and I came out better for it. Mm. And sort of it set me up to be able to deal with probably other moments that could have been sink or swim mm-hmm. had I not mm. already dealt with something that felt very monumental. And what I'm referring to mm. is the fact that I actually uh, co-founded the SIL um, with uh, an old colleague of mine. Um, some people don't know this, but of course, if you Google around enough, you would find that our initial Kickstarter was done between myself and my co-founder. Mm. Um So my co-founder and I worked together at our prior company, and what had happened was I had come up with the idea for the SIL in college, so actually well before starting the SIL. So I graduated college in 2007, the SIL started in 2012, so it was an idea or a concept that I'd been sort of harboring Mm -hmm. and working on here and there, toying with. Um, I ended up working at Living Proof, which is a beauty startup out of Boston, which is where where I met and worked with my co-founder. When it came time to graduate out of that role, um, she had also been thinking about potentially moving on to sort of whatever was next. And I was telling her over drinks one night that I had this idea for a plant company. And I got really excited, and I sort of pitched her the idea. It was probably one of the first times I'd ever verbalized it outside of my Hmm. close friends and family. And she got really excited about it, which was incredibly validating, because here I was thinking, I'm going to quit my job and start this business. How scary is that? And now here's someone who I really respect, admire, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm friends with, who seems like equally excited about. So uh, I more or less convinced her, well, why don't we start this together? You know, let's quit our jobs, let's move to New York City, and let's start this company, Mm -hmm. which didn't even have a name at the time. Um, And somehow uh, it was compelling enough for her to say yes. So here we are, super excited to to start this business together. Um, However, about four months in or so, after the company had launched, after we had formalized it, after we had done a Kickstarter, after the website was live, it started to become very clear Mm. that we had different visions of how we wanted to see the company Mm -hmm. uh, through. And it was tough because, you know, here you are actually living and breathing this crazy thing Mm -hmm. that you had ideated um, you've quit your job, you've mm-hmm. moved to a new city, mm-hmm. um, and and now things seemingly are falling apart. Mm-hmm. So long story short, we ended up going our separate ways. I, of course, continued on as a solo founder of The Sill, um, and she went in a different direction. But I mean, talk about a sink or swim moment. I could have easily in that moment said, you know what, yeah. we tried it. We gave it our best. It didn't work, and yeah. I'll go get a job somewhere. I am wow. um, so lucky that that wasn't what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not really luck. It was, you know, my own decision, and it was a struggle, um, and it was hard, very much for both of us. Um, and you know, I look back on that and think, you know, that is really what set me up. I believe, for success going forward because I had to deal with something really hard really early. Yeah, uh, that really resonates with me um, in particular because I had a very similar experience. Um, 
so when you were in those four months or so working with your co-founder, was there tension there um, in that it had been your original idea and sort of your vision? Yes. I mean, <clears throat> we had worked together in the past, and so we were both in the marketing field. And so I think that was like our first mistake is that we had sort of overlapping skill sets. Mm -hmm. She was a little bit older than me, and so I looked up to her because... Um, you know, she had a little bit more confidence in, in the work that she had done and produced in the past. Mm. Um, I was 26 at the time. So I was definitely looking to her for, you know, validation and, and direction. But I truly actually had a very clear vision mm -hmm. of what I wanted um, the SIL to be and what I felt like it was going to be and kind of what the size of the opportunity was. And so, yes, that definitely was sort of the origination of that mm -hmm. tension. Mm -hmm. um, and also just the amount of time and energy that we were going to put into the business, mm -hmm. like getting striking that balance, mm -hmm. I think, was difficult. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's difficult because we... Sorry, I'm just sort of thinking back now to the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had asked about tension... Yeah, I think it was hard because we had both made sacrifices and we had both dedicated in our own way to the to, to launching and kickstarting this business. Um, and then we had to make a really tough decision. Yeah. I want to, I mean, I'd love to ask about like the moment when you guys decided to go your separate ways. Um, what was, what like, how did the actual moment happen when one of, was it, was it her who said, listen, I'm walking away? Was it you who said, we can't do this anymore? I think part of the challenge and why it was so difficult and, and you know, both difficult from, like, a, the mechanics of it mm -hmm. and just, like, the emotions of it was that it, it took place over time. Mm. So there wasn't, like, hey, I'm out and mm. see you later. It was, you know, this clearly isn't working. How can we improve mm. this? You know, why don't we try it this way? Why don't we try it that way? You know, can we talk about... Um, you know, ownership in a different way, or diff do we have different roles? And, you know, I think um, we both wanted to continue the business, but we wanted to do it differently. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, I mean, she was still very respectful in that it was something that I had presented to her. It was something mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I um, had originated. Mm -hmm. And so I think we both knew at some point that if it was going to continue on mm -hmm. separately, it, it wasn't like she, it, she wasn't going to be the one to, to carry the business forward. Yeah. So it finally got to that sort of um, fever pitch where we just had to say, we just had to call it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you mentioned roles in that. Um, and I know roles can be a little fuzzy in the first days of the sure. company, especially when there are just two people working on it. But did you had did you say like one is going to be CEO, one would be CMO? or We hadn't even gotten there yet. Gotten there. Yeah, we weren't even close to that. And I think... You know, we were, you know, it was, again, we didn't even know what we were, we had no idea what we were doing, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Um, no one ever does. Nobody <laughs> ever does. So, you know, in retrospect, it's like, oh, we could have read these books, or we could have thought about it this way, but, you know, I still have to, you know, um, give credit where credit's due, and the business started with the both of us, and it, you know, I could probably say that it wouldn't have had I not gotten that, you know, partner in in the startup um, and through those first months. And so it is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. And that's very big of you to, to say and acknowledge as well. Um, when you first moved to start the company, 
Did you guys, I'm curious if you raised money from the beginning, and if so, how that kind of impacted once she left. And I'm asking because in my case, Mm -hmm. um, we had raised some money, uh, and we had been pitching the company to investors together. Mm -hmm. And she left after about four months, Mm -hmm. um, and we weren't done raising. And so then I was kind of circling back with the same investors. Mm -hmm. like, just me now. (laughs) Don't worry. Company's going great. But uh, definitely lost a founder. Um, Did you, what was that experience like? So... We were. I wasn't even thinking about um, raising money at that time. Of course, we needed some money to get the business started. So we had each put in money mm-hmm. um, to get the business started. Not, I mean, nothing. Sure. You know, right? Yeah. Like, wh- I mean, how much money does a twenty-six-year-old have? <laughs> um, my life savings. And so when we decided to split ways, part of the agreement was that I was going to have to pay her back over time. Okay. Um, which I did, and that the Kickstarter that we'd raised, which was about twelve thousand okay. dollars, obviously would go to the business. And that was it. So it was it was clean in a sense. Mm-hmm. Again, thick skin, first lesson learned, one of the hardest ones, um, certainly around difficult conversations. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, who is my support system? Yeah. How do I get through things like this? Yeah. And I'm grateful that I can say that, you know, again, uh, it just gave me the resilience to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I imagine you do all the time, but there are a lot of sort of up-and-coming entrepreneurs who knock down my door and are like, hey, can you tell me about this or that? And a lot of times they ask about co-founder things because yeah. it's pretty obvious that Andy used to have one. Yeah. Um, and one of the first things that I, I say to people is make sure your lifestyle expectations are aligned, which I heard notes of that in what mm-hmm. you just said. Yeah. Um, curious if that's you know a piece of advice that you give or sort of... Yeah. yeah. So you read all of these books and our articles about startup life and, and why Combinator says, you know, there's, there's like a greater success rate with co-founders oh. than solo founders yeah. for obvious reasons, sure. right? There's Absolutely. just so much to do. Absolutely. Um, and oftentimes these types of companies require two different skill sets, whether it's marketing and engineering mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. some other type of combination. That said, I just don't see it as black and white. It's not, or it's not just the right answer. It's not the right answer for everyone. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, when I meet other younger aspiring entrepreneurs who say, you know, I'm going to go find a co-founder or do I need a co-founder mm-hmm. or I'm struggling with my co-founder, I'm such an advocate for that's not the right recipe for everyone. And that's not totally. the recipe for success. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, and I could probably, you could probably ask friends and family to back this up, but like, I'm just bossy enough to need <laughs> to be at the top of that pyramid. Like, I don't, even if I found someone who really, truly had a complimentary skill set, yeah. I still don't think I could ever like co CEO. Yeah. Like, I actually don't even understand how that works, yeah. to be perfectly honest. And I know some companies do it and do it well. Sure. Yeah. It's just not how I am. Just out of curiosity, not that I'm trying to draw this parallel, but do you have siblings? I have an older brother. Okay. I don't. And a lot of people have said it's because (laughs) I'm an only child. It's only child syndrome. Uh, Yeah. But maybe that's not the case. Yeah. Well, I think, interestingly, if I had to start a business with someone, it would, I could probably do it with my brother. Oh, that's so nice. If I had to think about that. That's a really nice thing to hear. But probably nobody else. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I know from experience now I, I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, my take, curious on yours, um, is that, so in addition to my co-founder in the early days, I also had a thir- sort of a third person um, who was really um, eager to learn and um, didn't come in as a co-founder, but came in pretty much on day one mm-hmm. to like 
do all the like random stuff that yeah. has to get done. And what I've what I now know looking back is in the early days of a company, there's a lot of like honestly shit that needs to get done, like really yeah. annoying things, like literally yeah. packing the boxes, fold in my case, folding swimsuits, stuff yeah. like that. And looking back, I'm like, well, that's what early early stage should have. You don't need two people that are just thinking about mm-hmm. everything. You need someone who's just going to be like packing the boxes, folding the product. Um, and then one person who's doing all the like big strategic vision mm-hmm. is probably, um, and so sometimes that's what I, that's what I tell people, but uh, yeah, curious your. So I ended up, um, after my co-founder and I officially split and I was sort of re restarting, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, I hired an intern mm-hmm. right out of school mm-hmm. Um, unpaid, which I'm pretty sure you can't technically yeah. do I anymore. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I, nobody's going to come after me f- for saying that. Um, seven years later, she is my brand director and still with me. Oh my God. So that's amazing. Um, and, but was very much that person. I mean, she was willing to run through walls. She did everything. Mm-hmm. She would write blog posts, mm-hmm. but then she would like go deliver plants. Mm-hmm. Um, she would come to the garden centers with me, um, and you know, and at every stage in the company, all the early employees have had to do, mm-hmm. of course, shit yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, myself included. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. more than anyone else. Yeah, of course. Did, was she there when you and your co-founder split? And if so, how did you tell her? No. no. So okay. she literally joined right after. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So when that happened, I, you know, it was clear to me that I can't literally just be, it can't literally just be me behind a computer. (laughs) So then it was just the two of us behind computers. Uh Um, and it was amazing. Great. Good for you. So four months in, you're going your separate ways. What was the first thing that you did? Like what did, how did you figure out what to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, part of me forgets because I think that's what you do naturally to shield yourself from the pain. Yep. Same thing happens with pregnancy, by the way. Um, like, and labor <laughs> and delivery. It's like, that never happened. Oh, interesting. So, you know, that's your defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. It was hard. It was definitely hard. But I think the way that I'm wired was because we had gone through that, because I decided to go it alone, I was tenfold more focused on being successful. Mm. So after four months... There was a lot of work to do, Mm -hmm. and more or less, I just threw myself into the work. Mm -hmm. Actually, could you maybe set the stage for us a little bit? Four months in, were you live yet? Like, yes, yeah. So, so our relationship officially ended probably, I want to say, four or five or six months even after going live. Mm -hmm. So the business existed, Mm -hmm. but again, this was like a bootstrapped, scrappy, like website, Mm -hmm. you know, up and live, but not much else Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we were in the thick of things. Mm -hmm. Like I was selling, you know, a couple, there was like a couple orders trickling in a week. Totally. I remember. I mean, it, yeah, it was early days. Mm -hmm. So for us in those really early days, honestly, we were blogging. Mm -hmm. It was, can our blog just signal to folks that we exist and we're here and we're here every day and we're doing something. Mm -hmm. Are there things that you learned from your co-founder while you guys were working together that then you took with you as you continued to kind of go it alone? So uh, I'll say this again. I think the fact is that having a co-founder was a really strong point of validation for me. Mm -hmm. Like here I was, I basically had convinced someone else to quit their job, move (laughs) states and start this business with me. So clearly someone else who was 
smart and someone I respected thought this was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kickstarter was sort of the second point of validation. Mm-hmm. We had sort of said, if, if we don't mm-hmm. reach our Kickstarter goal, maybe we should mm-hmm. reconsider doing this. Mm-hmm. But we reached it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had sort of created different um, milestones for ourselves. So, you know, I think it was part of that setup that got me into a rhythm mm-hmm. of what's the next milestone, what's the next point of validation. But the experience, you know, taking the step back, and maybe I can only see this in retrospect, but really then just allowed me to trust my instinct, mm. that I knew what I was doing, mm. that I had a vision for the company, that I was willing to put in the work, mm-hmm. um, and that it really only needed me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to hire someone else who's going to just help. Mm-hmm. One person turned into two people and three people. And, you know, it was folks who had other jobs who were interested in the category or th- were kind of, you know, mm-hmm. curious about what I was doing and wanted to help out in certain ways. So I would bring people in from like a consulting perspective mm-hmm. to dip in and out of the company or put, you know, a few hours a week towards mm-hmm. it. Um, so we went from, you know, being a direct to consumer business that only delivered like near my home because I was going to come hand you your product to, you know, expanding, you know, into Brooklyn and Mm. doing deliveries, not just in Manhattan, but then into Brooklyn. And from there, you know, we were growing very slowly, but enough Mm -hmm. again, like enough to keep me interested and Mm -hmm. excited. And I was kind of creating these you know, arbitrary milestones of can we get to a hundred thousand in sales? Can mm-hmm. we get to totally. two hundred thousand dollars in sales? Can we get to five hundred and so yeah. forth? I mean, I ultimately bootstrapped the company to one point seven million before Whoa. taking wow. real venture money. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Brutal. Congratulations. Not easy. <laughs> Took five years. A huge accomplishment, though. And we tried a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, we ended up falling into sort of a B2B business model of supplying offices with plants, taking care of those weekly. That was bringing in cash flow Mm -hmm. that was able to keep us Mm -hmm. afloat and Mm -hmm. um, hiring people and, you know, trying different things. But my heart was always in the consumer side of the business. It's what I intended to do. So ultimately when we had, again, sort of met this arbitrary goal of can I cross that million dollar threshold, Um, it was time for me to raise real support money, Mm -hmm. some real venture dollars, and say goodbye to the sort of B2B business that we had created um, and move forward from there. So part of the pitch to investors at that round was this is going to be a B2C business. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And when was that? So we raised our seed in 2017. Um, Not easy. So I kicked off that process, I think, in April of 2017 and we Mm. didn't officially close the round until like September. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think Andy and the SIL did our first little partnership um, during that period. Probably. Andy did one of our very first pop-ups at your Chinatown location. Yes. uh, Where we sold our swimsuits among your plants. Amazing. And it was a big hit. I love that. I love that. I'll pull a photo. Yeah. So in fact, we opened our first brick and mortar retail before I had raised money. Right. Yeah. That would be. How was that? How did you come to decide to do that? And it was kind of a small space. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you know, you've been there yeah. um, in not an ideal neighborhood mm-hmm. that we could effectively afford the rent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mother was literally the guarantor on the store. Oh my God. Because I had no, oh I mean, you know, we were a new business that yeah. was like barely breaking wow. even. And it's like, you know, this is New York. It's like your That's first apartment. Amazing. Yeah. I think she still is. So I have to think about that. <laughs> 
So, you know, we opened the first store and I think that was just another like a fantastic milestone and proof point that Mm -hmm. like I had the stomach to take risks like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just think what can be if we had the right resources. And and so we ended up um, raising money in 2017 and then we raised again in 2018 and now I'm raising again in 2019. That must have felt really good for you as well. Yeah. So again, like you know, these sink or swim moments, I think, test us in so many different ways, but getting to the other side of them makes us realize how strong we are. So, in fact, I raised our Series A when I was five months pregnant. I saw that. That is so incredible. Which I feel like, you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy, and I was getting on planes to San Francisco with my belly bump and, like, trying to hide it, kind of, like, just be, like, inconspicuous about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it turns out that um, Rain Ventures, who did our Series A, they led. Um, The woman who ended up taking the board seat, I was kind of nervous about telling her that I was pregnant. So nervous, in fact, that I was completely blind to the fact that she was also pregnant. Oh, my God. And she actually delivered a week before me. Oh. Are you so, which I think is, like, unprecedented, right? Like That's so incredible. I raised my Series A. She sits on my board. We were both at, equally pregnant at the time, kind of not showing, and we both had to sort of break the news to each other. But then we were like, this is amazing. We can just celebrate and you know, forget, forget any reason to be nervous about sharing this news because it's just great that is such a heartwarming story (laughs) i'm so glad you told that story um that's really amazing that's great because i was going to ask what that experience was like raising while pregnant and if investors had um things to say that were not great or you know but i was very lucky i already had super supportive investors to begin with Mm -hmm. um and uh of the folks that i you know got to the point where i told them nobody had any negative feedback everyone was really excited um so so that felt like a moment in time and i think 2018 was just a really good year for women yes yes um completely agree that is such an inspiring story and i hope that everybody listening feels a lot of you know hope and and inspiration from that um since you are a solo founder who actually ran the company while you were on maternity leave i had planned to stop working at 39 weeks exactly um, give myself the last week mm-hmm. to just, you know, get ready and emotionally mm-hmm. separate from work and then, you know, obviously go have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, my last day of work was a Friday. It was actually the day after the New York Times featured us. So a oh. lot of excitement. It was a major milestone. It was a very proud moment. And I was like, all right, that's my mic drop. I'm out of here. Huh. I went into labor 6 p.m. on my last day of work. And then had oh my. my daughter the very next day and was, she just knew. She was like, oh, oh, you're done? Okay, great, I'm here. Oh my God. So it's just amazing how things work out. But yeah. because I was able to get pregnant at the beginning of the year, we were able to prepare holiday as a moment in time that we execute really well on. Mm-hmm. The team's done it multiple times. It's more or less predictable. So it was the right time to mm-hmm. be out because mm-hmm. also a lot of people are out, you yeah, know, like you're naturally sure. going to take Thanksgiving of off course. and the holidays. Yeah. So I honestly wasn't missed. I don't think all that much, <laughs> but I had, you know, I have two VPs at the company now. Um, they, you know, helped everyone execute, but there wasn't major decisions to be made. We were just in execution mode. Mm-hmm. So I left November 9th and I took eight weeks straight off Um, I started to dip my toe back in after the new year. I started going in part-time. And then by February 1st, I was 
back mm. in the thick of things. Um, and my VP of ops, who you know was one of the two helping run the company while I was gone, was funny enough pregnant at the time. And so when I got back oh my from God. my maternity leave, she said, "Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant." And she's pregnant with twins. Oh, my God. So she's now one-upped me. So now we're preparing for her absence. But it's so great because now I have all the empathy in the world for everything she's going through, even though she's actually going through something totally different. Right, sure. Um, And and I got to trial our maternity leave policy. So now that's that's in place for her. That's right. It probably is good for a company when the founder goes first. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and there is a learning curve with family leave and disability, and it's crazy. So, yeah. Wow. So how do you balance everything now? So I would say I probably lacked a lot of balance up until the point that I got pregnant. And the pregnancy was such an amazing life lesson in and of itself because it forced me to take care of myself mm. for the first time. Mm. I mean, I still wasn't really thinking I'm taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my unborn child. But the moments where you're like, I don't need to eat lunch Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm in the back of your head. You're like, I'm Mm kind of thirsty, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to power through. Like none of that was going to, you know, I wasn't able to do that anymore. Interesting. So, but I was still able to do my job and do it well. And I think that was the lesson there was, oh, I can take these moments to take care of myself and I'm better for it. I'm more focused. I have more energy. I can get more done in the time allotted. And then I don't have to be up that extra hour at mm. night because I actually took those small moments of self-care throughout the day. Wow. So now that I'm back, I've given myself a lot more leeway to continue that, to practice mm-hmm. those moments of self-care. And I think that was a lesson that was totally unexpected and um, has helped me create the balance that I think I need. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's everybody's question is like, how do you balance it? Well, you don't really, right? Right. Like, you know, balance might mean, you know, you miss bedtime one day completely, but the next you, you know, don't go in until the afternoon. I mean, that's the one great thing about being a founder is nobody's going to tell me (laughs) not to do the things that I'm doing. So if I need to take that time, I take it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Very well said. Wise words. By the way, this has been so amazing. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, it's such an interesting conversation and open and transparent. I really appreciate it. Um, okay. Now we'll wrap it up with a few quick fire questions. You have a work crisis. Who do you call? Ooh, that's a good one. Work crisis, who do I call? Well, whoever's responsible for fixing the work crisis, I'm calling them. <laughs> that's a really I'm good answer. I'm keeping it in the team. No Someone's got to fix this. No one has ever said that, that's, but that's a very smart answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is your most important resource? Sleep. Sleep. For sure. Yeah. Which you don't always get yeah. when you have a baby. I'm sure. So now I appreciate it now more than ever. I, I bet. Um, and finally, what is the most important personality trait on the sales team? Does resilience count? Absolutely. I think someone else even said resilience. Yeah. Yeah, Resilience. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy. At any stage of the company, it's not easy. So you can't, you're not going to make it at the sill if if you think this is like a cushy, cushy situation where you're just going to nine to five it and everything goes smoothly. Yeah. Nothing does. Nothing ever does. Nothing ever does. Um, I think those are perfect uh, sort of ending words. Great. Thank you so much for for chatting. This has been super interesting. My pleasure. 